the things of God are not flaky. They're not squirrely. They're not weird. They're not way out there, you know. They're not untouchable. They're not ununderstandable. They are natural. Brother Hagen used to say something that when he first started saying it, I thought, Man, I don't really, I don't really understand that totally because, you know, I believe in miracles. Do y'all believe in miracles? I believe that if somebody has cancer racking their body from head to toe, that, um, God can instantly heal them. But you know, most of the time it doesn't happen that way. I believe that if you're broke, God, if need be, could bring a little puppy dog to your house with a paper sack with a million dollars in it and get your needs met. If need be. I believe that. But that's not how it happens most of the time. How many of you in here has had a puppy dog come to your house and bring you a million dollars? How many of you overnight have been totally and miraculously healed of cancer? Overnight. A couple of you. How many of you in here have had your needs met financially? How many of you in here has the Lord healed? Do you see the difference? Most of the time, the things of the Lord, Brother Hagin said, he'd say it like this. Many people are looking for the spectacular and missing the supernatural. They're looking for spectacular things to happen in their life. And they're missing the supernatural things that are going on every day that carries them through. Oftentimes, people will say, like, for instance, um, you're believing for finances to come in. And um, you don't get all your finances that day. But you didn't get an extra bill that you could have gotten that day either. So you don't realize that instantly the money was not taken from the amount that you had. That there was not the extra bill and God did supply something. Or for instance, you're sick and you pray and you say, Lord, I call my body healed. And um, you've got the flu or something. And you say, I call my body healed. And you don't instantly get better. But you don't instantly get worse either. And it could have gotten a lot worse. And what you're not realizing is when you do pray, you may not see the answers that are taking place in your life because you don't know how bad it could have gotten. It's like you're going to take a trip and something tells you, don't go now. And nothing happens. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. So what I want us to talk about this morning is I want us to talk about how natural hearing from God are. I think there's people in here all over this room that think they can't hear from God. That's why they ask other people questions. They think they can't hear from God, so they're going to someone that they believe is more spiritual to hear for them. And I don't know about other churches, but I do know about us. We don't want a church full of people that cannot talk to God on their own. We don't want a church full of people that we want to keep babies so because we're afraid we're going to lose them and they're going to go out to another church or go out to another ministry. No, we want people that can hear from God for themselves. And if he says, go do this, then they hop up out of that chair and they get to work for the Lord. I think most every person that's sitting on this pew can hear from God for themselves and they don't even realize it. Because what they're looking for is spectacular. They're looking for praying for their finances and they're looking for the puppy dog to bring the million dollars today. And missing the fact that they got to keep their job when everybody else lost theirs. Do you understand that? Let's look at a couple of stories here. Turn with me to Ruth. 
This is probably, if you had to ask me one of my favorite stories in the Bible, Ruth is probably it. And I'm going to skim through a few places and tell you the story of Ruth for those of you who don't know it. Ruth is a story of uh, Naomi's daughter-in-law. Naomi was married, and um, her husband died, and then not long after that, her two sons died, and she had two daughter-in-laws, and they decided, well, let's look at verse um, 6, and then we'll, we'll, I'll tell some more of the story. So Ruth, Joshua judges Ruth. It's kind of hard to find. It's small. I'll wait for you because I want you to get there. Okay, Ruth. One six. It says, Naomi, she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return to the country of Moab, for she had heard. Say that with me. She had heard. Is that a natural thing? Pretty natural, isn't it? She had heard that in the country of Moab, how the Lord visited his people by giving them bread. In other words, they were eating there. They had food to eat there. So in the natural, she had heard that they were eating there. So in the natural, what did she decide to do? Go there because they had food, right? So let's read another one before we come back to that. And then let's go to um, 2 Kings 7. Just keep turning right past Ruth. You'll get to Samuel and then you'll get to Kings. Second Kings 7. Hold your place in Ruth if I didn't tell you that. You'll have to find it again. That's all right. Second Kings 7. This is a story of four leprous men and how they were starving. Let's read it. Second Kings 7, verse 3. And there were four leprous men at the entering of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. Or if we sit here, we shall die also. Now therefore come, and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall but die. You got the picture? They're sitting there at the gate. They're four leprous men. They've been cast out of the city because they're leprous. They're sitting there on the top of the hill. Can you just see them sitting there under a tree, leaning back up against a tree or something? Laid out probably, starving. So they get to talking amongst themselves and say, you know what? If we sit here any longer, we are absolutely going to die. If we go back to Israel, we're going to die because they're starving too and they're going to kick us out because we're leprous. If you don't believe they were starving, look back over at verse uh, 29. They were so hungry, they boiled one of their kids to eat it. So it was going to do them no good to go there. So they decided, as leprous as they are and as sick as they are, they're going to get themselves up and they're going to go into the Syrians. And if they kill them, all that's going to happen to them is what? They're going to die. But guess what? If they sit there, they're going to die. So you understand the story. Is this something supernatural? Yes. Supernatural in their heart. It's not spectacular, though. 
God didn't just bring them manna from heaven and feed it to them underneath that tree. What did he do? It's very, very natural. He gave them an idea. If we sit here, we're going to die. Let's get up and go over there so we can eat. Real natural, right? Look back at the story of Ruth. I mean, I know you can find it now. Chapter 2. Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me go now to the field and glean the ears of corn, after him in whose sight I might find grace. And she said unto her daughter, Go. And she went and she gleaned in the field after the reapers. The margin of my Bible, I don't know if yours says her hap. I, I didn't really understand that, but I've got a little number two there. And it says, she happened to light on a part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless thee. Then Boaz said unto his servant that was set over his reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Mobish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and read that next part. She hath continued from morning till now. And she tarried a little in the house. So was this natural? They're starving. What did she do? She got up. She went into the field to either get them some wheat. It was the time of harvest to either get them some wheat or grain or whatever was barley was being harvested at that time. She worked all day long in that field. Now, that's natural. That's what your natural mind would think if you're starving. You get up and you go to the field. But it could also be a leading of the Lord. Because we won't take the time to read the whole story of Ruth. First off, most people would do just the opposite of that verse. Look at that verse. It says, um, she tarried little in the house. And from morning till now, she was in the field. Most people tarry little in the field and from morning to night are in the house. Right? Just the opposite. It looked like this was something that was very, very, very natural. She happened. Does anybody else's margin say that she happened? Yeah. Everybody's just about it. It says she happened to wind up in Boaz's field. Well, how did she just happen to wind up there? Because she had this spectacular idea that if I go with Naomi and leave my family and leave my religion and leave everything I know and go back with her to the land of Moab, then I'm going to find, look back over here at verse 1 of chapter 2, a mighty man of wealth. She had that all in her mind, right? I'm going to find me a mighty man of wealth and marry him and have a son. And we're going to live happily ever after. It's going to be a Cinderella story. 
She had that in her mind when she left with Naomi. I don't think so. She just felt something very natural in her that she was supposed to go with Naomi. Then she felt something very natural in her that she was supposed to do what? Go to work. Get up the next day, go to a field, find some reapers that are reaping in the harvest, and work all day long. Now, this went on for weeks. How long, somebody can tell me, how long does a wheat or barley harvest last? Month? Two months? I don't know. How long does it take to get all that stuff in? I don't know. But anyway, we know it was over a day because it said she did this over and over and uh, that each time when Boaz would see her, he'd say, leave some grain in the field for her to pick up. Let her eat with our people. Give her water to drink. And every day things were happening. Things were being added to her every day that she was faithful in doing that. Then Boaz came up on her and he told her, you know, I know what you did with your, your mother-in-law, Naomi. You left everything you knew and came here. Because she knew she was going to marry a wealthy man and have a son. I don't think so. She did all these things not knowing what her future was. She did all these things from what would seem to be something very, very, very natural as getting up and going to work to get them food to eat. What did the lepers do? They wanted to go and eat. Well, I don't know if you remember the story or not, but um, the prophet told them that bread was going to sell for a penny the next day, and then they argued about it and said, there's no way if God rained bread from the sky, it won't sell from a penny, you know, and mocked him about it. Well, what happened the next day? Not only did they get fed, but a whole nation got fed. Now, do you think, I don't know how leprosy feels, and I doubt anyone in this room knows how leprosy feels. If you do, tell me. But I doubt seriously that those four lepers felt like getting up, they hadn't eaten in no telling how long, so you know they were weak, getting up, pulling themselves up from their bootstraps, making themselves get up and go into the Syrian camp where they knew most likely they were going to have to fight because they were enemies. But they didn't feel like getting up and going anywhere. But what did they do? They got up because God spoke to them and said, I'm going to run out all the enemies and you're going to just walk into the camp and you're going to take all their spoils and all their goods and all their silver and all their food and you'll feed the whole nation of Israel. Because God told them that in advance. They got up in their weakened condition. They got up feeling bad. They got up, I mean, when they shouldn't be around anyone and took a chance. And I can just see them at the gate. You go first. No, you go, you go first. You go first. No, 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 no. You go first. Well, and the littlest one that starved to death said, I'll go first. I don't care if I die. I'm about to starve to death anyway. So he plowed through there. Well, what had happened is the Lord had caused them to hear all kind of horses and all kind of troops coming. And they left their tents and left all their stuff so fast. It's like from the picture that you get, they left food on the stove cooking. And they just walked right into there, sat down and ate themselves probably sick. You can just see. Can you see it? I mean, they've been starving for days. They walk into this camp. They haven't eaten anything. They are just stuffing food in their mouth. You can just imagine it. And one of them leans over to the other one and says, you know what? This is probably a sin. We probably should tell somebody else about this. 
Don't you think? We probably just shouldn't keep all this stuff to ourselves. They're starving over there, boiling their babies. Don't you think we should go back and let them know? How natural was that situation? How natural was the situation with Ruth? That she went out there, she gleaned in that field. Then her mother-in-law told her, go and lay at the foot of his bed. And then, you know, the whole story that he was like the second in line to the word they use, redeem her to be his wife. And he kind of played a trick. Have y'all read Ruth lately? He kind of played a trick on on the, the guy that was first in line and said, um, you want to buy this land? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll buy the land. He said, well, now you understand, you know, if you get the land, then uh, you got to get that daughter and that mother-in-law. And he probably didn't make her sound too nice, you know. Probably made her sound ugly or something, you know, and, and probably made her not look too good. And, and um, so he says, mother-in-law and daughter. No, I don't want nothing to do with that, you know. That'll take away my inheritance. So uh, he kind of left it. And so there left Boaz to get Ruth. And if that wasn't a God plan that Ruth and Boaz met and had a son, which was Obed, which had a son, which was who? Jesse, which had a son, which was David. And you know the rest of the story. Now, was that God? Absolutely, that was God. Now, don't you think that her and Naomi spent some time praying about what they were supposed to do? Oh, God, what are we supposed to do? Where are we supposed to go? What are we supposed to do? Well, I hear they have food over there. Let's go check it out. See if we might can get some food. So they load up. They check it out. Don't you know the other daughter-in-law was sick when she heard about it? She's probably thinking, I could have married Boaz, you know. But she didn't. Oftentimes what happens in people's lives is just exactly like the two of these guys. The lepers are Ruth and Naomi. Could have prayed and said, God, we need food. Now, we've seen miracles in the Bible where he provided oil for the Shunammite woman. We've seen miracles in the Bible where people were healed instantly and raised from the dead. But we've also seen over and over and over and over and over again how things people were led to do certain things and how their outcome came. Just exactly like Ruth. If she would have said, praying, Lord, we need food. I need a son. Um, would like to have a son. Whatever, we don't like the word need. But they needed food. Lord, provide us with food. We're starving to death. We don't have any place to live. Our husbands are dead. We don't have jobs. It would have been real easy for them and scripturally okay for them to receive funds from others. Because they're widows, right? It would have been scripturally okay. They lost their husbands. They lost everything they had. It would have been scripturally okay because we know in the New Testament we're supposed to provide for the widows. Correct? It would have been fine. But, which is better? To receive handouts all the time? To receive people's hand-me-downs, to receive seconds, to receive get-by stuff, or to marry the wealthiest man in town. And be the most prominent person around. Which is better? 
I think what so many people do is they settle for second best. Because they're unwilling to do the things that it takes to get first best. You know, work was God's idea. You know, in Genesis, it talks about how that man would earn from the sweat of his brow or his face, whatever your Bible says. It was God's idea. They could have very easily said, God, provide us with food. And God provided them that day. Then the next day they could have starved. And then again, they'd have been on their face seeking God. God, provide us with food again. And then the next day, they'd have been at the same boat again. God, provide us with food. And he could have supernaturally provided them with food. We've seen him do it in the wilderness. He provided manna every single day for them. But what is better? To continuously having to be seeking God about the same area because they were unwilling To go to where they heard food was. They just wanted to sit where they were and expect a miracle from God. When all the while God was directing them, get up and go to Moab, they have food. The same with the lepers. They could have sat underneath those trees. I'm picturing trees. They didn't say trees in the Bible, but got my vision picture, you know, them laying there and, uh, Sitting there and asking God for food, and God could have provided them food, just like he could provide you a puppy dog to bring you a million dollars. He could have provided them with what they needed that day, and then they'd have got handouts again the next day, and then different things every day. Or they could have gone to the city as they did, got up when they didn't feel like it, and went into the city and received wealth and riches. Which is better? Y'all are quiet this morning. My, my, my. Which is better? To constantly be looking to someone else to supply your needs or for you to be wealthy enough to supply someone else's needs? I would do it, I think, if I had to. But I don't like having to ask anybody for anything or to do anything. I know that could be some pride involved in that, but I am not afraid of work. And I'll do whatever it takes to accomplish whatever needs to be done. And I know 99.999% of the people in here are that way. That I mean, I could name off how hard 98% of you work. I know you work because we call you to do things and you say, can't, got to work. So you got to be working. Right? Yeah, yeah, got to be working. So um, I know you're working. But the situation is, do you remember the story that Keith tells about when we were looking for extra finances and we were praying, Lord, we're broke, we're looking for extra finances. Y'all remember, anybody remember that story? Oh, we prayed and we prayed and he sought the Lord about extra finances because, you know, we, we wanted another house and we wanted another car. And, you know, we were like a lot of you that are in here standing up this morning that uh, you're ready for another house, you're ready for another car, you're ready to take a, a higher step. From where you've been living, that's where we were. We were living in a rented house. We were living in and giving somebody else all of our money, you know. And and uh, we had cars that um, we drove to uh, Mississippi and we broke down on the side of the road and had to get tow trucks to bring us in. That's the way we were living. And we wanted things to change. So 
God sent a puppy dog with a million dollars and left it on our front porch because we prayed about it every single day. No. What God did do, Keith was already speaking sometimes like he's told you 20 times a week with all of his classes and all the things that he was doing where he was. And the Lord said, y'all get up and go out on the weekends. I was working sometimes 50, 60 hours a week at work. Y'all, you know, get yourselves together and, and schedule some meetings. Well, we didn't have any shortage of people asking us to come for meetings. We had already had lots of those, but we just kept turning it down because by the time the weekend came, we were exhausted. We were so totally and completely exhausted that we thought, you only have Saturday. You know, Sunday morning is church, and then Sunday night you're getting ready to start your full work week again, getting clothes ready, getting your house ready, getting all the things that you've got to do, ready to go. And so this was our answer. It was spectacular, and it was supernatural. Book some meetings. Yeah, God, that's just what we wanted to hear. Do some extra work. Book some meetings. Well, the thing about it was, what we didn't know was how supernatural that actually was. It was greater than anything we could have thought. Because going out on the weekends gave us a greater vision than just a fishbowl vision. We were able to see other people the way they did this, and other people the way they did this, and other people the way they did this. And we went to churches, big churches, little churches, small churches, medium churches, we went to Catholic churches, we went to Presbyterian churches, we went to Baptist churches, we went to assembly churches, we went to word and faith churches, we went to every kind of church you could think of. And what God is doing during all that time, we didn't have a clue. Two things. Giving us a vision for the rest of the world and the rest of the body other than just our own little fishbowl vision about thinking about ourselves all the time. We got out there and we realized how messed up some people were and how, how much we did have to give. And the other thing, getting us ready to do what we're doing now. I feel sorry for people that have never had as much word and travel into churches as Keith and I have had that start churches and start pastoring. I do. I I pray for them on a consistent and regular basis because I think about people that have come in here and tried to shyster us or do something and tell us this and tell us that. We know instantly, instantly, whether it's God or not. Instantly, not because we're so smart, but because we saw this pastor have to deal with that and that pastor have to deal with this and this person have to deal with this. For 20 years, we've been doing it. So you learn a lot of stuff. So it saved us a lot of the stuff that a lot of people had to go through in in him preparing us. And then it did the greatest thing of all. Provided us with the extra income that we've been believing for for years. I mean, when you go out on the weekend, how many of you, your check just does meet your bills most of the time? And most of the time, if you tithe, it doesn't meet your bills, you think. Yeah, just barely. It's like paycheck to paycheck. You don't have to raise your hand because it's that way. Well, that's the way we were. When we first started out, I paid all the bills. And Keith said, we're going to start tithing no matter what. Because we tithe occasionally when we could, when we felt like it. But he know, he set down his foot, we're going to tithe every single week, no matter what comes or what goes, we are going to tithe first and foremost. Well, you know, the greatest miracle that I saw was we never had any extra 
But when we started tithing, we still could tithe and still could pay all of our bills. That was the greatest miracle because more money was going out, but we still had enough to tithe and still had enough to pay our bills. When before, we never had enough to meet our bills. It was always like, okay, what do we pay this week? What do we pay, you know, and shuffle and shuffle and you, and you pay this one and you pay a little bit on this one and you pay this one and you owe everybody for everything because you don't know anything about faith at that point in time. So the greatest thing to us about tithing was we had enough. Most of the time, we had a dollar or two left over. Anybody else have ever been there? I mean, you don't have to, you know, say you're there now, but you ever been there, you know, to where you, you paid your tithes and you might have had a dollar left over to do what you needed to do. Well, that was the miracle. It didn't look supernatural and it didn't look spectacular, but you had enough to do it. That's a natural thing. It's a very natural thing for the Lord to say, okay, give your tithes. It's real natural. But it's a supernatural thing as to what he can do about it when you do it. And it can be even spectacular where it can take you from, from where you are now. So many times what's happening in our lives starts out with something that is very, very, very natural. And I know you think I've gotten off course just a little bit. But when Keith was praying about finances, what did God tell him? Go out on the weekends. He didn't say, okay, um, I'm going to send such and such across your path and it's going to be a supernatural thing and you're going to have the money that you need to buy your house tomorrow. He told us something very, very, very natural to do. And so many times what people are looking for is they're looking for that knock on the door or that envelope in the mail or that phone call to tell them they've got all the money to supply their needs. When all the while, God has already answered their prayer and they're refusing to do what he asked them to do and don't know the outcome of it. I guarantee you, Ruth did not know the outcome of what was going to happen to her, her obeying God to go with her mother-in-law, Naomi. She didn't have a clue of it, but she took that step and did that natural thing. And the outcome was supernatural abundance, prosperity, a child. A husband, probably a really nice house, a really nice home, things that she didn't have anything like. So when you get into your prayer time and you've separated the things that we talked about last week, you don't have anything stopping you from hearing from God. You don't have the phone ringing and you've got in your prayer closet and you're getting your answers about things. And God says, you know what? I gave you an idea for an invention about 10 years ago. What would you do with that? And it's right there in front of your face, and you're looking around. God, have somebody wealthy send me some money. In the back of your mind, you're going, invention. Have somebody pay my bills for me, Lord. And he's saying, invention. Have somebody pay my rent. I'm past due. Don't you care that I'm past due, God? Don't you love me? Why am I not your favorite? And all the time you say, change jobs. And you're not looking at it. Because you're looking for someone to come up to you and hand you the money to pay your bills. Now those things do happen. And I told you, I do believe in miracles. 
I believe in them. But I also believe in the things that happened this morning. I didn't think it was any coincidence the exact people that testified this morning. Did you hear what Rick said? The Lord told us to start looking at our money stuff and to do this with it and to do this with it. And then he would provide a way for us through the business to be able to get a new vehicle. Now, he didn't have somebody come up to him and hand him the keys to a new vehicle. Right? He gave him ideas of how to work within his self to accomplish what he needed. Nobody walked up and handed him the keys. Vernon, Susan, he's got the exact red truck that he was believing for. The exact one. It's got the Bose stereo, the bucket seats, the paint he wanted, everything exactly what he wanted. Now, I don't think he said somebody came up and handed me the keys to this. He said that God moved on his boss and they was already getting an allowance for this and they was getting an allowance for that. A real natural seeming thing that through his job he was able to get a new vehicle. These are natural things. Just exactly like what Kenneth said. That we had to do our part. We started looking for another house. We didn't just sit back and wait for somebody to come up, knock on our door and say, Charles, I got a house for you. It's already furnished. All the bills are paid. Just get your kids and your clothes and just move in. How many times have you ever heard of that happening? Just a few. I mean, there are people that those sort of things have happened to. But the majority of people get out, they look for houses, they look at things, they see what they're available to do, they see what they can do, what they can't do, and God provides through resources that they know. And so God gave them, not only did he give them a house that they wanted, but now an investment. Because when they get ready to sell this house, what are they going to have? Money. Increase. They're going to have things that they didn't have before because they took those steps and started going in that direction. Well, just look at, say, for instance, the church. And Keith and I, we didn't have any idea. We, y'all, I told you a little bit about it the other night, about how the Lord led us to come here. We just thought we were moving our ministry here. She says, I got a building that I want you to look at. I thought it was a commercial property, a storefront. Took steps in that direction. So many times God is dealing with you and you're hearing from him and you're not liking the answer that you're getting. So you're refusing God's answer, looking for him to answer your question the way that you want it answered. And so therefore you're not getting any of your prayers answered. You're looking for the spectacular and missing the supernatural things that God's leading you to do. How many of you think you can't hear from God? I don't see one hand. So that means you can. Y'all know the scripture. You're a sheep. You know his voice. You can hear his voice. Stranger's voice you won't follow. But there are still people, even though people didn't raise their hands, that feel as though, well, God is talking to me. And I've tried to hear him, but I can't hear him. I can't hear the things that he's telling me. I can't hear and distinguish if, if this is just me or if this is God. If this is just my natural mind thinking or if this is God thinking. Do you know that God can use whatever means that he needs to to get you to hear from him? 
He can send somebody exactly up in your face and, and confirm something to you. We've had people, though, that, that have had people come to them and they've prophesied to them, sell your business and get in the ministry, and they sold their business and they went broke. Do you know God can talk to you for you that you don't have to go through anybody else? That he'll tell you exactly what you need to do? God's not flaky. He knows that you have natural bills and natural things that you have to deal with on a daily basis. And hearing from him is so simple. Once you ever know that you heard from him, it's like, okay, this is easy. Because what happens so many times is is you're looking for great, okay, Dave has got a business, all right? And the Lord's been dealing with him about ways for him to prosper. I know some things that he's been dealing with him about. And it's not that he just multiplied his business overnight. He gave him ideas on other things that he should do. Like in his business, he said, okay, add carpet cleaning to your business. That's a natural thing. But that brings in more finances for his business. And so many times it is natural answers that will bring you the miracles in your life that you're looking for. Not just the supernatural of somebody coming up to you at church and handing you a thousand dollars to meet your bills. You don't think you can hear from God? Turn with me someplace. Turn with me to Numbers 22. Y'all all know this story. Y'all there? I still hear pages turning. We'll wait just a second because I want you to see this for yourself. This is the story. That Balak was real concerned because God's people was overtaking everything. Isn't that a good thing? And uh, so he called for Balaam the prophet to get him to come to him to curse God's people. And, of course, the Lord told Balaam, he said, "Um, how can I curse what God's blessed? Well, you can't. And any witch or any voodoo person that told you they could curse you and God blessed you, well, just read about this right here. And you'll see real quickly that nobody can curse what God's blessed. Look at Numbers twenty one thirty four. No, twenty two twenty one through thirty four. Sorry about that. Turn back your page again. Twenty two, verse twenty one. And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass. Well, look back up first at verse eighteen. I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit. Look at verse eighteen. The Lord told him, "How can I curse whom God has blessed?" And this is what Balaam answered: If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold. I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or to do more. Now, that's a pretty stout saying, isn't it? The Lord told him specifically something to do, and he answers this man, I can't do beyond what God has told me to do one way or the other. And he's telling him that, right? Y'all read that with me. Even if you give me a house full of silver, I can't do it. Okay, look at verse 22, 21. And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. And God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass and his two servants were with him. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote his ass to turn her into the way. 
But the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards, and a wall being on this side, and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself into the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. And he smote her again. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled. And he smote the ass with the staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass. Read that with me. Now, if the Lord can talk through donkeys and get his point across through a donkey and tell you something that he was missing it and he was about to go do something he didn't want him to do. Y'all got it? If he can use a donkey to talk. And the story goes on to tell about, you know, the then Balaam and the donkey had this conversation. Wouldn't that have been a sight to see? I mean, this donkey's talking to this prophet. Hadn't I been good to you? Hadn't I done what you wanted me to do? And then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel there and saw that he would have been killed had he have kept going. Well, if it takes a donkey or your dog, how many of you have a pet dog or cat? Yeah, you got a dog or cat. I'm not convinced that when we get to heaven, they ain't going to be able to talk to us. So you may have your own theology, but I like mine so well. Um, anyway, he had this donkey. I mean, donkeys can't talk. Nor can your dog, nor can your cat. But I believe and I trust my God big enough to know that if I'm going in a direction that is not the way that he wants me to go and I'm not doing what he wants me to do and I'm getting off his path and I'm getting off his course and I'm not heeding what he wants me to do, that if he has to, he will get my little dog Mandy to say, hey, Phyllis, wake up, you idiot. Get on the path. You know, get it right. Don't miss it. Find out about that invention I told you about. Find out about that job I've been trying to get you to do for five years. I believe in your life that whatever it takes, if it takes us sharing something from up here, or it takes an angel appearing to you just in the nighttime, or it takes a donkey on the side of the road in a pasture to step out in front of your car when you're driving down the road and say, hey, Mo, get on track. That he can do it. Because you know what? God cares more about you being where he wants you than you care. God cares more about you accomplishing what he set you here to accomplish than you care. Because I dare say most people don't put God first. Most people don't say, okay, God, what do you want me to do this morning? The number is real minimal. It's like, yeah, 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 I want to serve the Lord, but the money's not good enough. Or it takes my spare time. Or I have to go out on weekends. All the answers and reasons and things that your head gives. But I do know God well enough to know 
That if you even give the slightest inclinations toward him, that if he's got to have a donkey to stop you and say, Joan, get on the path. You know, Bambi, y'all turn and go this direction. Move here. Do that. Get this job. That he can do it. And he cares enough about you that he will do it. I think some of you in here have been praying about your kids for a very, very, very long time. About them getting right with the Lord. I know some stories about some of them. I know the situations that some of them are in. And I think that in your praying, God's told you, put them out. Quit fixing it for them. Quit taking care of them. Quit solving all their problems for them. Let them have to deal with it themselves. But you've been unwilling. I think there's some people in here that their finances are in a mess. There's no question in my mind. And God said, um, you know what? Don't buy that new car this year. Save up that money. Season's going to come to an end. You're going to be tight. Something's going to happen. But they didn't do it. So they got their finances in a mess. I think there's a lot of people in here that's having marriage troubles. And God says, you're praying about your husband constantly. Oh, God, change Fred. Oh, God, please change him. And he's saying, Joan, you change. More than not, when Keith and I were first married and I'd pray about our marriage problems and troubles and trials, and I'd pray, God, change him. Change him, God. How many of you married people know that when you get married, you can't change your spouse? You go into it with this wonderful idea. I love everything about them but that. But if they marry me, I'll be with them all the time and I can change that about them. Right? Not happening in a million years. It's like it gets magnified. It's like that is the biggest thing that's important to them. Y'all are laughing because it's true. So I would pray, God, change him. Change him. And he'd say, you change. You quit talking so much. You lose weight. You do this. You submit. Let me deal with him. And it's the same thing with your finances. It's the same thing. You know, God, deal with them to give me some money. They got money. Deal with them to give me some of theirs. You give them some of yours. You sow. Maybe you are having trouble in your finances, and maybe that's what God's telling you. I don't care, and if you don't know us around here well enough to know, that I don't care if you give your tithes to us or you give it to someone else. I don't care if you sow offerings to us or to someone else. I do care that you give. And if you don't believe in us and don't feel like you're supposed to sow to us, find somebody that you believe in. I don't care if it's your mother and start giving. You got to have somebody that you believe in. And start giving. Because I guarantee you every time that you go to the Lord to ask him about your finances, he talks to you about sowing. And if he don't, it's been because you are doing it. And you know instantly what comes to your mind then is we sowed in this area and we sowed in this area. Every time God has required that we believe for something like this airplane, he's dealt with us years before to sow in that area. 
And we're ready for it when it comes up. We've got seed in the ground. So if you're believing for a new house in here today, you're believing for a new car in here today, did you see how many people stood up believing for that very thing? You don't have to sow into me. You don't have to sow into Faith Life Church, but you do have to sow. Because the Bible says, if you sow, what will happen? You'll reap. So if you've not reaped, guess what? You hadn't sowed. Because the word is true. And it never fails. So if you're lacking friendship, what do you do? So friendship. That's a very natural thing. If you're depressed, what do you do? So joy into somebody else's life. Then you'll constantly be having people around you that so enjoy into you and bringing you up, lifting you up. Because the word's true. So many things in our lives, we're looking for spectacular things and missing supernatural things about doing things for other people. That is our God. And if you don't know him well enough by now to know that he is a giver, and he requires that you be a giver, that you love, love gives, then you don't know God well enough by now. And if your focus is only on what I need and what I've got to have, you'll never have your needs met. But if you get focused on, say you're wanting to get married. If all your focus is on getting married, you'll never get married. If all your focus is on doing the will of God and doing what he's called you to do and helping other people, it'll happen and your eyes will be closed. Just like how many people in here, when we were doing the healing stuff, you didn't even realize it, but you had been sick in an area and before you knew it, that area was healed. Yeah, there's hands all over the place. You didn't even realize it. But your focus got on the Lord and the healing just happened. Well, it's that way with giving. It's that way with marriage. It's that way with everything in your life. If you sow in that area, you'll reap in that area. Ruth sowed her whole and complete life to her mother-in-law, Naomi. She went out in the field. And God turned around and gave her everything that her probably heart could ever desire. But she was not unwilling to get up and do what he'd asked her to do. So as you're praying about the situations in your life, whether they're great big ones, little bitty ones, in-between ones, don't push the answer away and think that's just me. Look at it for real. Look at it differently this time. Look at it from the natural standpoint and say, could this be God? And I've just been pushing it aside. Could this be my answer? And I've just been rejecting it because I want it to be... Get rich quick schemes. They don't work. I mean, even Donald Trump would tell you, as rich as he is, that man works. You say what you want to, he don't sit at home on his morals. He works constantly. Brother Jesse, he'll tell you in a heartbeat. You know, people think I'm prosperous just because the Lord's blessed me so much. But I'll tell you why I'm prosperous, because I work. I'm in a different state every other night. Yes, God prospers what you put your hand to. If your hand is to absolutely nothing, there is absolutely nothing for him to prosper. So if you're not doing anything, and say you're not working now, say this is your season not to work. 
Well, I guarantee you, Nancy or Dave or Wayne or or, uh, some of our guys could absolutely find a place for you to do something to sow. You say you don't have any money to sow. Well, there's something very much more important than money. Your time. You may not have a dime to sow, but if it was me and I was broke, I would find something for the Lord that needed to be done. And I would put my hand to it and you wouldn't back me down no matter what. I'd find what he needed me to do and I'd do it. Whether it's here or wherever it is, you've got to put your hand to something for the Lord to bless it. And if your hand is to nothing, there is absolutely nothing that he can bless no matter how much you cry or how much you pray or how much you beg. Because there's laws that we have to live by. Sow and reap. Put your hand to something, you'll prosper. Look to the natural, not just the spectacular. And I believe every person in here will come back with a different idea. And we're going to have so many testimonies from this that I know it was quiet in here this morning. And I know it was a little bit different than what you were thinking it was going to be. But I know God. And I know that he's been dealing with some people because we've talked to some of you that he's been dealing with you to do some certain things. And you've not been willing to do them. So therefore, he cannot bless you. He's looking for you to take those steps and get up from underneath that tree and go into that city whether you have to fight or not. And if the answer could just be that quick from being totally starved to death to gorging yourself with so many riches and food that you don't know what to do with them. By obeying him and doing what he's told you to do. Stand up with me, everybody. And let's make a confession this morning. And don't confess it unless you mean it. Let's close our eyes and lift one hand to heaven because that's where our answers do come from. And say, Lord, you are the answer giver. And I know I've prayed. And I know I've cried. And begged. And seemed like I still didn't get the answer. But I purpose in my heart... To go back and look at that again. And if there's something that you told me to do. Now don't say this unless you mean it. I will do it. I'll make the change. I'll do the things that you asked me to do. Then your hand can be on me. And bless me. And take me from Brokeville to Prosperityville. From Sickville to Healingville. From bad marriageville to glorious marriageville. I'll do exactly what you've asked me to do. With your help and your strength and your grace. In Jesus' name. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.